Many of you probably thought we were headed into Psalm 6 as we journeyed and jaunted through the Psalms. Uh, Lord willing, we may get back there, but uh, we are uh, in Psalm 32. And this morning we have a great opportunity as we look at how the gospel unlocks joy and contentment. We see some of the greatest things about the gospel in this psalm. Um, We see some of our greatest hope, but we also, uh, the gospel reveals some of our uttermost contempt and failing before a holy God. Before I go any further, I do want to make mention and encourage you that if you are with us via live stream or out in the parking lot, I encourage you to be here next week as we get a share with uh, Sharon Rahili. She doesn't get to the States very often. Uh, I don't know the last time she was here at First Baptist, but uh, I got to see her two years ago, and what a blessing that was, and we really, really look forward to seeing her again. And so I encourage you to be here. Um, She's going to be here Saturday. She's going to be here Sunday. Uh, She's going to be at our Wednesday night uh, prayer and Bible study. Uh, We do that right here, so just uh, encourage all of you that can make it come Wednesday as, uh, as we'll get to hear a lot about her perseverance in the ministry, a very unique ministry that Anissa and I got to see uh, firsthand. And you'll get to ask questions and find out more how God has uh, grown her, encouraged her, and how God is using the gospel in uh, the very amazing ministry that God has given her. Um, this is Missionary Month. We are stacked. I have missionaries that have been dying to come visit, and we've been holding off so that we can actually get to know them, see them, and experience some time with them. And so uh, that's why we'll have back-to-back missionaries. We also have some missionaries that we'll visit at the end of August. We'll try to separate it a little bit. But uh, uh, Ken uh, Waldock's son, Nathan, will be here uh, the week after Sharon, I encourage you come plan to give and and help. Uh, by the way, they they they're spending all their own funds to to get from place to place, and so encourage us to be ready to give a special offering to help encourage them and bless them. Um, uh, Sharon uh, Rahili got a a blessing. Somebody called her and says, "I'm paying for all of your uh, hotel expenses for the next uh, week and a half when she comes up here." And so God has already uh, blessed her with that, but encourage how we might bless and send her uh, towards her next adventure before she gets back to the mission field. So be ready uh, to participate in blessing uh, her and fulfilling Third uh, John when it says, bless those who carry the gospel, um, and that is their, uh, their responsibility and their mission, and we want to take that Uh, very seriously. Have you noticed that most people today are just not satisfied anymore? You you know what I mean? I mean, it's just you get something, and as soon as you get it, you already start thinking about how you can have more, right? Uh, Kids, you buy a Nerf gun, and you enjoy it for about a month, and then you see Lyle bring out his new Nerf gun, and you need to go out and buy a new Nerf gun, right? So, yeah, so I know for Jesse, for his bachelor party, all he wanted was a Nerf gun. 
buy me Nerf guns for my birthday or my, my wedding. I'm like, that just doesn't work. And I, I took Jesse aside. I said, Jesse, let me tell you something. Don't make the same mistake that I made. And that is I went out and I bought my brand new airsoft gun. And the first thing I did is when I got home, I shot my wife in the leg. I, guess what? I found that airsoft gun when we moved here. And uh, I bought that thing, I think, 15 years ago. So uh, for 15 years, I never saw that airsoft gun. So hopefully, Jesse still has his, his uh, Nerf guns. So he keeps them at the wise man, wise man. So he's learning well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so contentment. Today, we have struggles with contentment. We could have better cars, better houses, better pets, more money, more money in the bank, more, more, more. If we have more, we're happy. All we need is more, more education, more what? More dogs? Wow. More cows. Yeah. He told me we were gonna, he was going to move out. He says, sorry, Dad, you're going to miss me. That's how he started the conversation. And he says, I'm moving out and I'm buying cows and I won't live here anymore. I'm like, okay, at least I know where to go for food. So the problem is how we achieve many of our goals. Many of our goals sometimes uh, in the fact that we want to obtain some goals at all costs that we become dissatisfied and disappointed We become disconnected from the many blessings that God has provided. There's always something more that we must have. And David is expressing some very real important things that deals with spiritually being content. We see that the gospel truly is the power in our lives that unlocks unlimited joy and serious contentment. When we are are in the gospel, living the gospel, thinking about the gospel, when it is the helmet and when it's the armor in our life, we can have contentment like the world has never experienced or seen. A little background for you as we look at the first two verses where David talks about why he is blessed and why he has spiritual contentment. As we think about this, you've got to understand that David is writing this after he has committed adultery with Bathsheba, after he has killed Bathsheba's husband, after he has covered it, after he has tried to cover his sin. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12 tell us about how he put Uriah to death and how he hid his sin and how it was confronted by the prophet Nathan. During that time, it was at that time when actually Psalm 51 was written. You got to remember, the Psalms aren't chronological, okay? So don't get confused by that. But Psalm 51 was written when he was going through the experience of his sin being exposed. There David makes a full and complete 
confession, uncovering all of his sin, asking for forgiveness. The amazing thing about Psalm 51 in verse 6, or in verse 13, David also makes a promise that he will teach other sinners how to confess their sin to the Lord. This is that song where David begins to teach us about sin, covering our sin, and confession before God. And so David is fulfilling that promise. I want you to see, if you have your notes, we're going to look at three basic things. What hinders our contentment? What hinders it? That's number one. Number two is our hope of spiritual contentment. We can have hope that we can be truly content. What does that hope look like? How do we receive that hope? The last thing is is the declaration of contentment. What it is and what we experience with God's true contentment. So what hinders it and our hope and I'm sorry for the D, but I couldn't think of an H to go with our outline, so I didn't alliterate very well. But here we go. So our hindrance, our hope, and the declaration of spiritual contentment. Verse 1, you'll notice that David says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Verse 2 Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. In these first two verses, David uses four different words that describe, describes what hinders our contentment. He gives us four descriptions of things that hinder our walk with God, that hinder our relationship with God, that hinder the blessed things that God wants to give you. Number one is transgressions, in whose transgression is forgiven. The word transgression, by the way, means to step over a boundary or cross the line. It's like my crazy cows. I have two cows that refuse to obey the boundary. They see the boundary, but they say, no, I'm going to be on the other side no matter how strong you electrify the fence I am going to go through the fence, and I will break the fence. I'm going to make your life miserable, but I am determined to be on the other side of the fence. That's what the word transgression means, that I refuse to stay within the boundaries that has been given to me. I am going to go over the boundary, and I am doing it rebelliously, knowing that the boundary exists. What hinders spiritual contentment is transgressing against the Lord, stepping over, crossing the line. Speaking of open rebellion, Proverbs 12, 13 describes it this way. It says, an evil man is ensnared by the transgressions of his lips, but the righteous will escape the troubles. Did you notice that the transgressions are ensnaring? They hinder, they hold back. God's escape to blessings. Psalm 107, verse 17, it says, Fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities, they are afflicted. Transgressions draw you to affliction. It's rebellion. 
It's the picture. So in your notes, it, transgressions is the picture as defiance. It's the defiant, rebellious one. So if we're looking at the picture of what David is saying is, is I am defiantly against God. That's transgression. You notice the second picture or the second word that he describes is sin. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Sin, the word carries the idea of missing the mark, and we understand that. We, we want to hit the bullseye. I mean, it's worthless to go out and try to, you say, oh, I'm going I'm to go out and practice, and I'm going to hit everything but the bullseye, right? I'm going to go hunting, but I'm going to miss the deer, right? Most of you would be like, that's a good thing, right? But if I'm trying to feed my family, that's a bad thing, to miss the mark. You know, the Hebrew word literally meant, means a crooked arrow. Do you know the picture that David's saying? It's saying that in sin is that you are crooked. You can't shoot straight. So no matter how much you try, you are crooked. You are going to miss the mark because you're crooked. That's what the Hebrew word is defining. It is a crooked arrow unable to actually zero in on the target. By the way, the target is God's perfection, His holiness. And we are crooked. The Bible says uh, that He talks about, talks about the crooked and perverse nation. Sin, that crookedness, that implying of disobedience and, and a crooked life hinders greatly our ability to enjoy God. It pictures a defect. We are defective because of sin. Iniquity, verse 2. The Bible not only talks about transgression and, and, and sin, but he talks about iniquity, which means, uh, also means to be bent and crooked. It means to be distorted. Not only be defected, but to be distorted. You are, you, you're not clear. If, if people were to look at you, you know, have you ever been in one of those windows where you go in and you try to look out the window and it's distorted? It's bent. You look through it, but you can't see what's on the other side clearly. It distorts everything. Some of us like that. We go in there and we're like, oh man, this, this window or this mirror, it makes me look a little bit more appealing, right? We like that distortion. Some of it, it's like, no way, man, I'm not looking at that again. That's crazy. We go in those funny houses. That's this distortion. You cannot see. It's warped. It's distorted. It's bent is always to evil. That's iniquity. In verse 2, we see the last one is deceit or guile. The word means to be deceitful. It refers to those who are dishonest and deceptive. It means that you're living a deceptive life. It's a picture of deception. You know, it looks like, it looks like you're a godly person. It looks like you're a good person, but you're deceptive. You're hiding your true sinful self. All of these terms, these pictures that hinder our contentment. They're terms that are employed to emphasize 
the concept of sinfulness and guilt. They are not intended to identify specific sin. This is David saying these are are what present. This is what separates us from the glory of God. This is what separates us from the freedom of a relationship with God. This is what distorts our blessing. This is what hinders us from true contentment. And this is the beauty of the gospel because the gospel is the power to release us from that which greatly hinders us. I want you to understand how destructive our true nature truly is. Our sin keeps us from true blessing. Are you seeking just happiness today? Do you just want to be happy? Because you can't. Happiness is short term. It's like letting off a little, you know, how many of you have ever thrown those little poppets or those party things, right? It's great, and then you look at it, and it's hollow. It's like, oh, that was great, right? My son even had one this year, and he grabbed it out, and he was playing with it too much, and he went like this, and the string ripped, and nothing happened. Everything fell right out. He's like, well, that was worthless. And I said, yep. That's what our good deeds are like compared to God. God is, His blessings, His joy is a never-ending explosion of contentment. To be totally satisfied. The psalmist seems to be addressing the topic of sin in its completeness. No sin of any kind is excluded From his presentation. That moves us to our hope. We have a great hope of being spiritually content. Even though our sin is greater and our sin is is damning and our sin separates and our sin keeps us from joy and contentment, there is great hope because God is greater than all of our sin. Great is the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, that's what's so cool about victory in Jesus. Plus, I love the banjo and, and the bluegrass. I love the, the, the jumpiness of the music because that's what I think about when I think about the victory that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sitting there and it just, I want to bounce. And I got to be careful. I don't bounce too much up here. <laughs> I'm going to lay down on the floor in a minute. My back won't take it. David tells us that while all of these terrible aspects of sin are part of our lives, we can be taken care of. You can be taken care of. Getting them dealt with before the Lord is the key to spiritual contentment. That's our greatest joy. That's our hope that we have. Notice what he says about every single one of these hindrances in our life, these spiritual problems. First, number one, transgression can be forgiven. Did he say it might be forgiven? No, it can be forgiven. Uh, Praise the Lord that it can be forgiven. Man, the word mean to be, by the way, to be forgiven means to be lifted up and cast away. To be lifted up and cast away. 
Get in, and, and that's a, the, the idea is our defiance against the Lord can be removed. And no longer there's defiance, but there is love. When we're forgiven, our defiance is replaced with our love and submission to God. If you're struggling with submitting to God, you might want to ask, what part of your defiant life have you not presented to Him? Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. Proverbs 12, 13, An evil man is ensnared, we talked about that, by transgression of his lips, but the righteous will, I love that, will escape from trouble. The second thing is that sin can be covered. Right? Love covers a multitude of sin. The word covered means to be concealed or to be put out of sight. Our defect, you know that defect that you have? It can be covered. Have you ever bought something with a defect and thought, oh man, this is bad. And then you try to figure out, okay, am I taking it back? Am I starting over? Or am I going to find a way to cover it up? Right? Praise the Lord that when we existed, God didn't say, defect, you're gone. Can you imagine that? God has the right as a holy God to say, you're defective, sorry, boom. Right? Push us aside, never exist. Instead, he found a way to cover us up, to cover our defect up. To, to bring holiness to us through His righteousness. The other one is, is iniquity may be what? Imputed or count, not counted, right? Imputed means to be not, it's something that's counted against you. It's, a, it's, a, it's an, uh, I want to say addition term, that's not right. <laughs> it's a, uh, Man, my mind just, my, I, my brain went out the door. Um, well, it's a theological term, but actually, oh, an accounting term. It's an accounting term to be imputed or to be added, counted against. The rephrase refers to a debt that is no longer counted or considered. God doesn't, when we, when our sin, our iniquity has not been imputed to us, it has not just been covered and thrown away, but it is no longer even considered in our life. When God looks at you, it's not counted. It's not considered. Our spiritual distortion and bankruptcy will not be held over our heads. God doesn't say, well, Lyle, I remember when you did this at school. And I'm going to deal with you because of what you did at school. Yeah, right. <laughs> or, you know, he doesn't sit there and say, you know, I've seen you sin here and here and here and here, and I'm going to add all those sins up, and now I'm going to clobber you on the head. And that's it. We have hope that our iniquity may not be imputed or counted against us. Romans 6, 6 says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him, that's Christ, in order that our 
body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. To be done away with that is no longer counted against us. The last thing that he says is whose spirit, and it's talking about our heart, our heart can be freed from deception and guile. We're no longer living a hypocritical life. We're no longer saying, yes, I'm a believer, but I really struggle with loving God. We are just fully enthralled with our holy God. We, there's no longer deception. We're no longer living for ourselves, but we're living for a holy God. We're free from that spiritual hypocritical deception in our life, and we can open and honest before the Lord. Lord, I'm struggling. Help me. There's no deception. We just are laid bare before the Lord. And it doesn't bother us. Have you ever noticed when you point out somebody's sin and they immediately get mad at you? There's deception. They believe that they're good. But if you notice the humble and contrite in spirit, you notice the, the, the men and women that, have, that, are, that everybody longs as spiritual men and women, and they're like, oh, man, I've seen that sin. And they're like, oh, you are right. Right? They're just open. They're humble. They're contrite. They're free. There's no deception. There's no hiding. They're honest. 1 John 1.6 tells us in following, it says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie, deception, and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that means we're exposed, no deception, walking in the light, light exposes everything, and it doesn't bother us that it's exposed. It, it, I mean, it may bother us, oh man, I can't believe I did that again. I was telling Rob Rob and I were meeting uh, yesterday, and I was saying, you know, I hate it. Sometimes I, I, I hate it, and somebody calls me, and I think, oh, man, I wonder what they're mad about now. <laughs> or, I may, man, oh, here we go. They're not going to like something I did. And I have to stop, and, and I hang up, and I think, Lord, oh, I can't believe I did that. Please forgive me. I can't believe. I just assumed something. And I just say, oh, God, you know, just take care of that. I used to just say, it never existed, right? I just, ah, it never existed. Now I just say, I can't believe I just thought that. It's okay because the light exposes that sin. And now I can deal with it. And I know that God will deal with my iniquity. He will deal with my heart. And he frees my heart. I have no burdens to bear, to carry. My life is free. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Don't you like that word, all? Church, do you understand? When we allow the light of God's holiness to expose our life, he, is, he, cleanses, he can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect here on earth, but it means that He can cleanse you, that He can give you contentment. He can take care of your heart. 
If we say, verse 8, we have no sin, we deceive, deception, ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar and his word is not in us. We living a life of deception. Church, where are you at? We need to be honest. So we, we live a life of deception far too often. And we're not honest about it. You want to find spiritual contentment? You want to get the hindrances, the things that you know that you're being weighed down by the, by the circumstances in our life and, and we're not satisfied. We don't feel the joy of the Lord. We don't feel the blessing. We don't feel right because it's all about how we feel and we're doing everything based on our goodness. And we're living a life of deception. Step into the light. Don't be afraid of what's exposed. Find great joy when it's exposed. Because now you can be useful in the master's hand. The master that can take the broken vessel, our jars of clay, and he, he takes that broken pot and he infuses it with the power of the Holy Spirit and it holds the most precious thing, the blood of the Lamb, to give power to live his holy, righteous life. A life of joy and contentment. The, did you notice the declaration, by the way? Verse 1 starts with it. This, verse 2 started. Because of our forgiveness, because of the covering, because it's not counted, because there's no deceit any longer, he says, blessed is any who have been forgiven. Blessed is, it's literally not just the, it's not singular, it's actually blessed is anyone who has experienced this. Blessedness. It means actually the state of spiritual contentment. That's what blessed. It is a complete, joyful happiness. Complete, empowered, spiritual satisfaction with your life, you are satisfied, you're content. True contentment is not going to be found in houses, land, money, possessions, food, shopping. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, amen, I hate shopping. Some of us like to shop. True contentment is only going to be found in the knowing that your sins and all of their defilement, how far, no matter how far they reach into the depths and despair of your life, all of their ugliness, all the judgments imposed upon those sins, all of it can be gone forever. That's true spiritual contentment. As we conclude, this is what true spiritual contentment is. True spiritual contentment that David is telling us through the power of the Holy Spirit is, is defined as a heart. That's your spirit, where you, you, your emotion, the seat of your emotion, as a heart that is clean, that is forgiven and honest before God. A true 
spiritual contentment. True contentment is found in a heart that is clean, forgiven, and honest before God. Contentment comes when a soul is right with the Lord. When your soul is right with God, there is true contentment. No hiding, no hypocrisy, no sin, no guile, no deceit, no distortion, no defect. Just you before God. Clean because you've been forgiven. Isaiah 53.5 says, This is our greatest hope. This is why we can declare, blessed is the man. Psalm 1, blessed is the man, right? Who stands before God. Isaiah 53 says, but he, that is Christ, was pierced, pierced through for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities and chastising for our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging, We are healed, healed, content, covered, right, honest, forgiven. Verse 8, by oppression and judgment, Christ was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for our, for the transgression of my people, to whom the stroke was due. God put it this way in in Colossians 2, verse 13. He says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh in your distortion, your destruction, God made alive you together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. That should sound familiar. That's transgression. By canceling the record debt, that's not being having our debt imputed to us, canceling it, the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, and he set it aside, that's covered, forgiven, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame. He He put all the laws and all the rulers and all the culture in our world, He puts them to shame and He gives us His glory. Do you see that that transformation from shame to glory through the blood of Christ? He disarmed them and by triumphing over them in Christ Jesus. Paul went on to say this to the Philippians in chapter 3. He says, look, don't, count, don't focus on your works. Don't focus on all your good deeds. Don't focus on who you think you are. It's all rubbish compared to Christ. He said, brothers, in verse 17, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us that walk according to Christ. For many of whom I have often told you and And now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame. With minds, their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord 
Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Will you be honest about your life? Will you stop running after those supposed godly people who set their mind on earthly things? Maybe you're being deceptive and you're focused on earthly things. Run to Christ. Run to Christ. Set your mind on Christ. Do everything you can to gain Christ, to focus on the gospel, the good news that victory has been won, the battle has been won over our sin. He has brought us from death to life through the blood of Christ. We are waiting for a Savior. Who are you waiting for? I trust that it is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has the power to commit, you know, to cover, to push away, to not count what should separate us from God, that we should experience the full wrath of God, but we have a hope of being truly content because of the gospel. Are you content? Pick up the gospel. Ready yourself with the gospel. Stand firm in the gospel. Think about the gospel. Set your mind on the gospel. If you've never responded to the good news that Jesus has paid for your sin, that is separate, He's the go between to separate you from the wrath of God, call upon the name of the Lord this morning and be saved. Let Him breathe new life into you. Respond to Christ. Repent. Confess your sin and be forgiven by the only one who can bring you total satisfaction in your life. Let's pray.